Chief of police got hung, hanged. Uh, Silk Spectre is an FBI agent. Hero number three is practically a god himself. So tell them apart. He makes him blue. He is blue. He likes walking around with his dick hanging out and he can teleport. That's a big difference. Okay, forget the break. New joke. If y'all can fight fire with fire, y'all can fight mass with mass. Tulsa's not Rome. We are talking HBO's Watchmen season one, episode three. She was killed by Space Chunk. The After Buzz After Show starts right now. I'm Maria Menounos, and you're tuned in to After Buzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, Time is running down as we are talking. Uh, Watchmen, HBO's Watchmen, season one, episode three. She was killed by Space Junk. Man, what an episode. Wow. Still there. I'm, I keep expecting, wait, this can't just keep going forever, and yet it does. Yet it's it does. Such a, a lot happening. Such a lot. A lot and, of toys involved. Yeah, okay, yeah. Blue dildo. <laughs> Playful episode. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. They did it. They did it. And by they, I mean HBO's Watchmen, of course. We are talking season one, episode three. She was killed by Space Chunk. Fortunately, on the planet Earth, no one to date, as we know, has been killed by Space Chunk. However, if someone was to be killed, it might be a person on this panel. To my left, the queen of the queens, Drew Jones, is in the building. I feel like space junk means something completely different to oh, me now. Oh, yes, it does. Yes, it does. Killed by space junk, by the way. Killed. Yeah. Double entendre, if I've heard one yet. All the way to her left and my left's left, uh, my favorite race trader, Brian Nielsen, oh. is in the building. Yes, that's me. Uh, this episode was dopa. Get it? Uh, I loved it. And, yeah, I think space junk is the new euphemism for that type of toy. It is, it is. And if I was going to be killed by Space Chunk, that would be the Space Chunk not of my choice. <laughs> if you don't know who I am, I am Toronto. I will be hosting and paneling with a slew of other After Buzz panelists. But remember, all of you at home, you are, if not as much more so, part of this panel than all of us. And behind the blue curtain, our favorite 10 is with us. <laughs> Steph Sabra, thank you so much <laughs> for Shut holding up. it down. I... I appreciate you and your wonderful attitude. Let's break this 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 episode down. We're going to have to discuss uh, a lot of different things. First of all, Lori Blake. That is its own chapter. Gene the whole Lori Smart. Blake. So much. Petey. I want to touch on Petey. Who, uh, Ryan Nielsen's Petey. Petey is Ryan Nielsen. <laughs> the legal acts. These different acts. You made a reference, of course, Ryan, to DOPA. Uh, and I think out of everyone here who's DOPA, Drew, that's you. I got dopamine. The joke. Okay, we're done with this. <laughs> Joe, that phone call. The Chief's funeral. We're going to have to break that down, and especially the 7th Cavalry attack. Senator Joseph Keene Jr. And then our subplot, our sub-storyline, which we don't know how it ties in yet, but it's tying in so well. Mandius, that letter. We have a special segment, Buy or Sell. Cha-ching, when you pick an element of the show that is working for you, buy or not working for you, sell. By the way, y'all, I'm in the chat, so please comment away. I know Greasy and Ryan's got a full bottle waiting for me to say Damon Lindelof. That's right. We do have some news and gossip you're going to want to stay tuned for. And, of course, our on-point predictions and more. Let's start with our overall thoughts on this episode, Drew. Everything I thought about this episode was foreshadowed by a giant blue dildo. <laughs> and now it's just like everything else is a blur for me. Every time blur. Ryan says, what's the name you say, Ryan? D. Eamon Lindelof. <laughs> and every time Drew says, blue, giant blue, blue dildo, dildo. 
<laughs> We're taking drinks and take shots. Oh. Take three shots. That's how it works. Giant blue dildo is worth three shots. I don't think I say it as much as he says. Not yet. <laughs> Not However, Not yet. the the after show has just begun. Mm. Touche. Were you a fan of the tie-in with Dr. Manhattan and the joke, him being on Mars? And Yeah, I like when um, TV shows kind of do a long, stretched-out narrative. Like, you're like, what's going on here? What is the joke? I like stuff like that, so I liked how they tied it all in together, um, especially someone who doesn't know. I know, like, the basics, but someone who doesn't know a lot, it's cool to see how they take stuff from the comics or taking stuff from the movie and they're sprinkling into this. Shake it all about. Do the hokey pokey, Ryan. (laughs) Um, For Dr. Manhattan? The uh, overall thoughts on the show. Overall thoughts. I loved this episode. I thought this was a unique setup. The structure reminded me of uh, Double Indemnity and that someone's on the phone leaving a message and we're just flashing back through everything that happened prior to um, them leaving that message. It also reminded me of the movie narrated by Rorschach, which this it had a noir feel the entire time. And just the introduction of uh, this officer, played by Gene Smart, really, she just owns it the second she gets on screen. And I, I'm really thrilled with the show so far. Yeah, I thought it was really good. And the Rorschach, the joke was reminiscent of Rorschach as well. The uh, He tells a clown joke, and she tells this tie-in with the brick... And the people going to heaven. Mm. So during the in the movie Rorschach and throughout the comic book, so Rorschach tells that joke regarding the clown, and he says, "I am the clown." You know right. the sad clown joke. So it was very good to bring good it joke. back. Exactly, great, great voice. Uh, to me, this this episode was about Lori Blake. So if you liked Lori Blake, you liked this episode. If you did not like Lori Blake, you possibly did not like this episode. Personally, I loved Lori Blake. Lori Blake is very enigmatic as a character. I enjoy the concept of how we tied in Silk Spectre into, of course, being one of the the Watchmen that we all knew and loved. Tying it back in, making her an FBI agent, making her against vigilantism, showing her taking down the vigilantes in the beginning, the, the Revenger and Mr. Mr. Shadow. Shadow. And so showing these montages and and the nod to Batman of course and bringing it all in this show is the most interesting intriguing show on HBO and it is a show that rivals uh, Game of Thrones it rivals Game of Thrones and in its in its greatness Game of Thrones had had action this has an actual script that's amazing. And what I liked Game of Thrones, they had this banter, this back and forth that happened. Very Shakespearean at times. Watchmen does a very similar thing. If you notice the the conversation between Laurie Blake and, and Sister Knight, between Angela Abar, that conversation, the back and forth, the, the attack, the abrasiveness, the intimidation, and then the return. It, it's tennis. You're watching it back and forth. Really enjoy the show a lot. Let's start with Lori Blake. Let's do, start with yeah. where do we even start? Well, yeah, Lori. We, we wanted to go in with uh, the information from the comic book, you know, that she's Silk Spectre and that at the end of the graphic novel she finds out that the comedian is her father. So she's Dawn, the last name, Blake. Blake. I didn't actually think she'd do that. Of course, she went from Lori Jupiter to Lori Blake. Right. So she has that last name. And even at the beginning, they go, Officer Blake. Like, whoa, is this. Is this supposed to be Lori or her, her, her mother, I guess, If uh, but they never were married. I Yeah, I really, what an awesome way to intro character, staging a bank heist 
with all that, just to get one hero down, that really just set her up as this badass officer who will go to whatever lengths to get what she wants. Wow, I'm obsessed with her character. Yeah, I really like that she's very unapologetically kind of bitchy. I think that's fun. I think, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. She's very like, this is who I am. I don't really care how you feel. And I like her little back and forth with Ryan. Who's Ryan's doppelganger on the show? Petey. I like how she goes back and forth with him. And, you know, she's just very cutthroat the entire time. There's no weak spot for her. And I kind of like that. Ryan, you stated that she's willing to go to any lengths oh, to get the job done. Any lengths. Any lengths. No matter how long. <laughs> not, or blue. Okay. We're yeah, not. Yeah, I wasn't yeah, making yeah, those yeah. comparisons right, at all. Right, right, in right, fact, right. I was talking about how she seems so invested in mm. this investigation. Right. She'll go deep into any investigation. Drew, <laughs> yes. Ryan mentioned how... Lori Blake was willing to go to any lengths mm-hmm. uh, to get the job done. Yeah. What do you feel about her motivation regarding this particular investigation? How do I feel about it? Sure. <clears throat> With the getting to the bottom of the of the sheriff's hanging and and what's in the closet, the tie-ins. Yeah, I feel like I want to know a little bit more what. Her motive. I mean, we kind of get like a motive, but I, I just feel like there's something there that we're we're not like we're still surface level with her, and I want to know what intrigues her so much about all of this, and what you know why. Yeah, what made her hate vigilantes? Yeah, why does she feel that way? Why is she kind of beefing with Angela right off the bat? You know, why does she why does she know all you know why does she know to look into the closet and all? I just want to know. She's a great investigator. My whole thing was with Angela. I felt like she saw. Herself and Angela. It, Silk, she saw Silk Spectre yeah. and Angela. That obsessiveness, that compulsion, getting off on being a vigilante. Mm. So it's almost as if she's talking to her younger self. But I can't tell if there's a sense of compassion there where it's like, I know where you've been and I'm trying to help you. Or if it's just a screw all vigilantes, I'm going to bite your head off type of vibe. For me personally, um, yeah, I think that's what we're gonna learn probably down the road. Uh, another big thing with her character, they mentioned up top, uh, she th- that there's an owl in a cage, and like from the graphic novel, who, <laughs> who, yeah, who's in the, in the cage? I think they're referencing Night Owl, of course. Which, you know, this whole episode was talking about her relationship with Doctor Manhattan. She also had a relationship with Night Owl, she and he's in jail. So I'm I'm curious if. If this Lori Blake still has feelings for that night owl, or maybe she put him behind bars. I don't know. That's an interesting call. If she's responsible, if the new Lori Blake was the one responsible for putting night owl behind bars. She's a hard cop. She she is. She's tough. And she's one of she's one of the I know things. If she's asking you a question, this is this is one of those girlfriend moments when the girlfriend knows, saw the text and she's asking you. And it's your opportunity to tell the truth or not. Mm. Did you get that sense where she knows all? Yeah, she does kind of have a God complex where it's I already know the answer and I already know the outcome of this. So you might as well just fall into it and tell me what's going on. I completely agree. What was interesting about that, though, 
she does know. She knows that something was in that that closet. In the closet. She knows everyone's secret identity. She's right. privy to this information. It's almost as if Dr. Manhattan did rub off on her. Ooh. In her attitude, <laughs> that condescending way and the mannerism in which she even beds Petey. Yeah. She bets him. He doesn't bet her. The conquest is is definitely her to him. She is for sure a dominating personality. I like that he was still wearing his mask um after the fact. I feel I feel like she made him. God, I know. So... I absolutely feel like she did. They and, really did. And if you remember yeah. even a flashback to the movie where Night Owl and Silk Spectre as when they were when they were out of costume they weren't able to copulate. But then in costume later, right. after resuming their vigilante roles, that passion led Ooh. to them being able to be intimate. I did not notice that. That's all. Yeah, you're right. So is this a thing where she has a mask fetish? She has vigilante fetish. I mean, obviously, she still has something for Dr. Manhattan. And it's something that she let go reluctantly, uh, even in the comic books and the movie. She didn't want to move on. Dr. Manhattan lost what he, she perceived as his humanity. And then she moved on. That famous line in which Dr. Manhattan says, uh, she asked, did you even care? And he says, when I lost you, I left Earth. Yeah. 30 years. She, he's, she's technically the reason he's on Mars. Right. She really is. I think... Uh... I think that's something we're just getting to wait and find out with her character. I don't know. I, I was, the, for the first half of the episode, I thought she was just this really committed to the law cop. And then we realized, oh, there's some stuff she doesn't even care about. And she's kind of, she, I think she's out for herself. I think she has a personal uh, goal or vendetta, maybe just to contact John, Dr. Manhattan. Uh, because, you know, you see her go visit Looking Glass and she doesn't even care if there's laws being broken. So I think she's out for herself, and she's got her own. I love goals. that scene personally, where she's like, "Do you feel your civil rights are being violated?" Yeah, actually, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> she keeps going, yeah, I don't care. Yeah, don't care. You're like her a lot. Yeah. I'm the Lori Blake. Of You're the, the Lori panel. Blake of the panel. You're the Petey. I'm. Pe- if you call me the giant blue dildo, <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> Take a shot. Take a shot. <laughs> so. Just to formulate this idea of who is Petey to Lori. Well, who's Ryan to you? Oh, God. (laughs) Um, Who's Petey to Lori? Uh, It's weird that when he volunteers to go with her, she's like, all right, I'll take the kid. I I really don't know. I think maybe because she knows he's just a fan, much like us. We're we're just fans of this network. Uh, I I think that... She she wants to be around people that she knows she can have control over because the person she loved, she could not control. Or maybe she, just like she kind of sees herself in Angela, maybe she also sees herself in Petey and is like, I have to break him because he's in... The old, the old Lori, the Lori that met Dr. Manhattan is very much like a Petey. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, naive. Doesn't know what's going on. It's about... Hey, Petey. <laughs> So, when it comes to... And Petey Petey even tries to step up for himself. I actually have a PhD in history, and I'm not a fan. And then he turns out to kind of just be a fan. But he even has a few moments where he's a little sassy back with her, and I think it's, you know, peaking a little bit that he has that little oomph inside of him. Yeah, he tries making a joke, Mm -hmm. and it's not funny. I like it. Similar 
to me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, he still gets his coffee taken away from him at the end there. Like, she has all the control over him. But that's what I mean when I say Lori Blake knows all. Mm-hmm. She's so smooth. Even the way she says, did you did you have any of those? Nope. Young, let's go and intimidate Sister Knight. Now, did that seem to be an interrogation to you? Or was she testing a potential partner? I felt it was more like she was just telling her, you know, she she knows what's up. Like, it was kind of one of those, like, you might have been able to get one over before, but I'm here. So, hey, what's up? You know, real, recognize real. Oh, I thought this was a test for partner. For sure. I think even at before the funeral, she goes, uh, you know, I'm here because you're no longer a cop, but I'm here for vigilante. She's like, what's the difference between a vigilante and a cop? There is no difference. Like, I a masked cop. A masked cop. And I, a vigilante. And she doesn't know the difference. She says no, and then she goes, and she says no, and Angela says no, and then Lori says me neither. Angela impressed in her, I think, this episode. Because she messed up by shooting that guy. And True. she even goes with the line, yeah, nine times out of ten, they don't even go through the work of putting it but in your body. But yet, something Drew said resonated with me, Where and, and since I'm familiar, and especially, you know, with Drew and stuff, unapologetic people, right? <laughs> unapologetic people. Oh, boy. When you have unapologetic people, she did not apologize for her actions. She simply explained it. She said nine times out of ten... Uh, usually it's not true. They don't take the time to do so. She didn't say, I'm sorry. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so glad you were there to do this. She almost did it on purpose to test Angela. Just like she's testing every single other person in the show. I think even when we keep joking about it, when she goes to Petey's room, that's a test. I I, I really do think that she is, it's more testing instead of interrogating. Okay. I'm thinking about, because well, I also was thinking about, she's made, like, multiple comments about Angela's husband. Being hot. Being hot. Which, like, same. like Oh, you he is hot. Let's, Unicorn let's test. Be, let's be very honest. He is extremely good looking. He's Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. Very good looking. Very good looking guy. And she says it, would, it doesn't even make sense if you would cheat on your husband <laughs> because he's so hot. Right. But she's kind of, once again, testing her. Just pushing those boundaries, pushing those buttons, getting under people's skin. It's almost as if she has a wall up to keep people out so that she can stand on top of the wall and be able to look down. I, I definitely see that. Maybe I'm just projecting. Maybe I'm just projecting. I think you're just projecting. Yeah. I'm projecting. One thing I don't project, however, is the fact and the sentiment that you all at home are as much, if not a more so, a part of this panel as all of us. Yes, thank you so much. You guys make us the ESPN TV talk show. If you're watching this on YouTube, again, I'm in the live chat. I'll shout you all out. Please hit that like button, comment, subscribe. Go on iTunes, give us a five-star review. If you give us a review on iTunes, I will shout you out on air. And thank you again for making us the ESPN of TV talk. Ding. Thank you, Petey. I mean, Ryan. Ryan. Thank you. I'm so sorry. Did I call you Petey? I <laughs> apologize. Did. Uh, let's go over really quick the different legal acts that we heard. So we've, we we know that in this world there are things like the refredations and that nature, but we also get the Defense of Police Act. DOPA. DOPA. We also get the Victims of Violence Actions. Uh, these are policies that are made in response to different different circumstances that have happened of course dopa is in regards to the white knight yeah where Correct. everything goes white knight yeah to heck mm-hmm. to heck and yeah. keen and keen passed the bill which and was a keen, keen passed detail. the bill 
And that's who I would like to talk about now is getting into that Senator Joseph Keene Jr. What is his motivations? Who do we think he is? Is he on the side of good, on the side of bad, or on the side of self? I feel like maybe it's the accent that makes me want to believe this, but I feel like he had good intentions in the beginning and maybe just because his politics got a little dirtied up. But I understand, y'all. If y'all can't fight fire with fire, y'all can fight masks, masks with masks. It's self. I'm going self. That's self. where I'm. That's where I'm tossing my bet into. I, yeah, I think he's all out for himself. He even there's a detail where uh, Crawford's wife ran his campaign. Oh, so yeah. there's something going on there, and you know Crawford had a a hood in his closet. I think I think he's got cruel intentions. I think he is a double agent politician, two face, and I think we're gonna we're gonna. Well, this isn't the last time we're gonna see King. I think this is the accent. I, we just it's assume everyone with that accent is either racist or a liar or something. Right. It, it's how we're programmed. I personally am a, a fan of Senator Joseph like King Jr. simply because I believe in his power of of, of persuasion. I don't want to use the term persuasion. Okay. However, the concept is I feel that some politicians have a hero complex. No. And Senator Joseph Keene Jr. is one of those. But vigilantes have one, too, where it's I'm the one to make a difference. Now, it seems like a hero complex when you're not the one to make a difference. Oftentimes, we always go, man, someone should do something about that. And we forget the concept. We are someone. We can do something about that. And there's nothing wrong with Senator Joseph Keene Jr. stepping up and doing something about it. I think Keene is two-faced without the burns, man. He he's Something happened to him on that white night, and I think he passed that bell for different reasons than we think he did. I think he has a second agenda. He is two-faced without the burns. I disagree. I think he was not that bad in the beginning, and it's just gotten mixed up and is in over his head. Because I could also not be surprised if the... The 7th Cavalry bomber that came to the funeral was commissioned by Keene in some elaborate scheme in order to increase his popularity. Once again, he says all the right things. He does all the right things. It's too good to be true. Mm. He mm. could be diabolical. It could be diabolical. But then again, a man in a wheelchair could have strung up Sheriff Crawford. I don't know. That's the concept of the show. We get that chief's funeral. And... I don't know if it was a great idea to have all the police all in the same area to begin with. Right. So the attack seemed what I would suspect is inevitable. Mm-hmm. Okay. But we also get this moment where Angela shows her true colors. What were your thoughts overall on the funeral and on Angela's actions? Well, the it is a cop funeral, so... Police gotta be there. I, I think I know that there was just an instance with the Seventh Cavalry, but I totally understand why the cops had to be there. I think I think you're you're onto something with Keen potentially hiring that and setting that up. And I mean that was a gigantic hole in that grave that grave site. Yeah, I'm just really curious how that got. Thoughts on the whole funeral? I mean, this said a lot about all these characters. Um, first and foremost. That we got Crawford's body blew up because they shoved his coffin into Angela. the graves. Angela shoved his coffin into the gravesite, and now they cannot exhume the body and view it. I think that was a major detail. It also said a lot about uh, Lori's character and that she'll shoot, she'll shoot first. You know. Well, we saw that in the bank robbery. 
We did see that in the bank robbery. However, that was after they had already. That's after he started running. You know, they, they which is even worse. It is even yeah. worse. And then there was a question where one of the agents was like, how, "Agent Blake, how did you know his bulletproof uh, bodysuit would stop the bullets?" And she, I don't think she, Drew. I don't think she knew. No, I don't think it is worse. I don't think it is because him you running shoot, away. Yeah, because if you shoot a guy who's got a bomb strapped to his body that could explode, you could kill the politician. I, I think that she could have doomed everyone right there. I think that's way more riskier than shooting than shooting a vigilante oh. running away in a society where that's illegal. I thought <laughs> I thought you were saying it wasn't that bad that she shot him in the back, and I got concerned. Oh for no, a second. no, no, that's pretty no, bad. No, no, I agree with you. I don't think uh, I don't think her shooting the guy running away was riskier than the bomb situation. No, I just thought it saying? was worse. I thought it showed uh, indifference in character, not that it was more dangerous. Second of all. In terms of policy, technically speaking, we try to save lives, but we do not negotiate with terrorists. Mm. Because once you negotiate with a terrorist, it is an extremely slippery slope. Where does it end? If you give them what they want, once based on the act of force, then it will never end and continue. Mm. So you actually throw everything at the problem. If you give I. a pig e. a pancake. I.e. What was the saying, Drew? If you give a pig a pancake. Hell. You never heard of He'll that? Hog no, it. no, no. He'll hog the rest the, of the pancakes. The beloved children's book. You should check it out. What is it? It just it's if you give them a little, they'll keep going and they'll keep at, like asking for more. Yeah. What's the book? If you give a pig a pancake, that's okay. a whole a whole. I guess they didn't have this book in the Middle East. No offense. <laughs> I don't think it's very popular in the Middle East. He was called something different. Sure. Mm. Yeah, it might have. There might have been a rewrite. If you, you give a camel, uh, okay, so. <laughs> I'm so sorry. We just, I just get that. So, so we get this. The Seventh Cavalry. Do you believe the Seventh Cavalry is behind the Chief's death? True. I'll take this one. Go for it. Uh, I do. I do think the Seventh Cavalry is behind this, but I don't think they worked alone, Tehran. I think Keen is in on it, like you just recommended. I think it was planned. Drew, are you going to let this happen? Are you going to let him? And he is two defile without the birds, Senator Keen. I don't know if I agree that Keen's in on it, but I do think they're involved, but I think they're like once or twice removed from it. It's too obvious for it to be just them. I definitely think there's some type of connection to them, though. I don't think they're clean on it. His name's literally Keen. You know? He's smart. No. He's intelligent. It's right there. It's right in front of you. But I feel like it's it's too obvious, though. You think it's so? too obvious for there to be a, the crooked politician. Mm, we'll or see. it could just be an Irish last name. This poor <laughs> guy was born. Nah. Is that what we're thinking? Mm, no. Okay. He's he's a traitor. Not a race traitor. Oh, he's a race traitor. He's a race traitor. <laughs> so we get this joke, this running joke, the phone call. Right. Very intricate. We get a joke where it's set up. The bricklayer joke. And then she, uh, Agent Blake goes off on a tangent and says, oh, I've, I messed up the joke, goes into another joke, the joke of the three heroes that go to heaven and speak to God. Right. Obviously, a direct reference to the heroes of Watchmen. Right. To the Watchmen members. So we get, first was Night Owl. Night Owl. Uh, the person with all the inte- intelligence who can create inventions, and what does he do with it? <laughs> Secondly was Ozymandias. Mm-hmm. 
the smartest man ever. It gave him the most intelligence on the planet. And what does he do with it? Thirdly was Dr. Manhattan, a man who is basically a god himself. And to differentiate the two, he made him blue. Mm. And then finally, right when God had forgotten, uh, sees a little girl who was there. And she, he says, I didn't notice her. I didn't notice you were there. And she, who are you? I, I'm, I'm, this never happens to me, but who are you? And she says, I'm the little girl. I'm not a hero. I'm the girl that threw the brick. And he doesn't see it coming. Strong. And he does not see it coming. And the brick kills God. And where does God go when God dies? God goes to hell. H-E double hockey sticks. That was brilliant to me. It really was. It was brilliant. Damon Lindell off. Take the shot. Take the shot, Gracie and Ryan in the chat. Definitely brilliant. Definitely I brilliant. thought it was, there was an intrigue to it. And it was extremely telling of not only the character, but the storyline of Watchmen overall. Mm. It was a nod to the original comic book and to the movie. It was a nod to the way Watchmen is supposed to be done. Thoughts? Thoughts, incredible writing. Also, incredible visuals during that entire monologue in that the really showing Tulsa is hell for everyone. I think every time she said the word hell, it cut to someone opening a door in Tulsa Entering Tulsa, something like around something that sinister is happening something in Tulsa. Sinister in Tulsa. Tulsa is hell right and now. And that I will give a Senator uh, Joseph Keene. There's a tie-in there. Like God something is sinister dead there. is yeah. happening. Drew, what did you think? No, I just think, like you said, it was amazing writing. Um, it didn't feel forced at all, and I think that's really big, especially um, for shows like this where they're trying to have a message. They're trying to have, you know. A, a point of view on whatever social commentary. Sometimes it can feel really forced, but this was a really natural, I think, you know, unpackaging of the episode. So good. It was really so good. good. It was so well done. Now we get the substory. Ozymandias. We get this letter from the game warden. We get more of something's going on. We have no idea what. And, of course... We get this whole concept of something that was very interesting. His horse's name was Bucephalus, which is the horse <laughs> of Alexander the Great. Oh, wow. Yes. And that, of course, we know is Ozymandias's favorite historical character. Yep. The, so the, he looks after... The empire. Yeah, the exactly. Empire leader. Or, uh, the Persian empire. But we won't get into that. Please. Uh, we Ozymandias. <laughs> Ozymandias. So we discussed this concept... Um, what do you think of Ozymandias' storyline, and what is he trying to accomplish? I feel like he has an obsession with Dr. Manhattan, and he's trying to do what Dr. Manhattan did, like trying to replicate it, maybe? I don't know. You think with the suit trial, trials, yeah. with uh, all of his henchmen? Yeah. Yeah. Like he's trying to, you know, equal himself to him. He's totally obsessed. I completely agree with that. I I still don't know what he's trying to do, though. I don't know if he's trying to become... I don't think he's trying to become Dr. Manhattan. I think he's trying to... He's doing something with some suit. Maybe he's going to visit Mars. I'm just really not all that sh sure yet. Uh, I don't know why you would wear the metal, something from like the Middle Ages <laughs> for space. I'm really... This has been kind of the most frustrating but also intriguing part of the entire show for me because this is this stuff is so random. I have no idea what we're going to get each week and they 
give him cake every episode. I don't. I really am trying to figure it out. But thicker skin was the takeaway. He needs thicker, thicker skin. skin. Uh, it's interesting. We have this game warden. I don't know what the game, game warden, warden is. It seems like it's someone he created. Mm. There's a very big Howard Hughes feel to Adrian that I feel. This secluded recluse in his own mind, and yet there's a method to his madness, a genius behind it that we are unable to see in it as it, the storyline divulges. I will say this. While I would, I would naturally think that a storyline of this nature would convolute the the show it does nothing it is perfect it really, is amazingly yeah. uh it is amazing counterpart it's it's like having two main course meals simultaneously and not having something that confuses me it does not throw me off at all in fact it's a pieces of pu- of, of a puzzle that i don't even know what the picture is i'm i'm creating the puzzle on the backside i think it's more of like a dessert menu that's right there and you're seeing it and it's looking good but you just don't really know what you're going to get quite yet and at the end it's going to be delicious you just wanted to take my metaphor and make it better Drew, I, what, I, what, I, what what <laughs> food what what food metaphor can you make i out don't of have this? one but i just want you to know his was in fact better way better i liked it a lot more. i think there's something on there called blue there might be i don't know we might get some Steph kind of Sabron, blue could sweet. you please be the tiebreaker in the food metaphor department sure i don't want to be a part of this discussion <laughs> <laughs> i just want to watch the best watchman after show out there period all right leave me alone thank you Steph Sabra. you unapologetic steph's on mars right now let's let's discuss the letter the letter from the game warden what did you think the letter meant we have no idea. <laughs> Anytime we talk Ozymandias, we're all just stuck. I just like I don't get because it seems like he he know like he knows the what is the guy's name? The game warden. The game warden. The game, the game warden. warden. He, it seems like it's another one of his henchmen, but at the same time, he's like, "You do that again, I'm pulling up." So I'm confused. You just made it as gangster. <laughs> I'm confused. What's going on? And, you know what I really did like? I liked the back and forth rhetoric between the two. The letter that came, and then of course, Adrian in the most Adrian of ways. Adrian. And then I'm glad you enjoyed the tomatoes. <laughs> and he said tomatoes. It was very. Is I it tomato like or tomato? It's tomato. I'd love to hear from you guys in the comments. We what are you thinking the of comments. the Ozymandias section? What are we getting in the chat? So right now, a few people saying Ozymandias is fully capable of making himself into another Doctor Manhattan. I half agree with that. I think you know so so much of that was random that maybe that's what really frustrates him about that. Uh, other people saying it's really weird. It's the weirdest part of the episode. Um, each episode, there's more and more candles in the cake. Didn't notice that, Kalen, baby. Great, great job. Um, Jeff Williams, local host and after buzz. Shout out to you. He says, I 100% agree with Drew. Great take. Who's Jeff Williams? I think he does a, a flash? No. no. Um, but yeah, uh, everyone's just saying it. they completely agree. It's the weirdest part. I think they think Ozymandias is trying to get to Mars. That's what I, I mean. That seems to be the conclusion there. Something about space as the body falls back and it's frozen. And then, but I did not like something, and I'll talk about it what in our special like? segment. Buy or sell. Cha-ching. <laughs> Buy or sell, where we pick an element of the of the show that's working for us, or we sell it, and it's not working for us. Let's start off. You know, I'm going to throw it to Tehran right now. No, what? no, I want to hear from I want to hear from Drew. Actually, I want to hear from Drew. Ladies what Drew's first. buy or sell? Of course, is. I am buying um, Agent Blaine. I think she's like a fantastic addition Blaine, yeah. to the show, and I'm definitely a lot more interested. And I'm selling um 
blue. The, the blue dildo. <laughs> I'm selling it. Uh, <laughs> buying that one. You gotta buy that one. I'm no, buying that. I actually went on giant. Amazon and looked at extra oh. large. It's, it's coming huge. Tuesday. Oh. Huh. Well, uh, I am. I'll go next. I am buying. The fact that you can go to a site and leave a voicemail for Dr. Manhattan all across the country. I think that is capitalism at its finest. (laughs) Absolutely love that idea. And the fact that he, yes, is indeed listening and he'll let you know by sending you a mulled up car. Uh, I am selling, I am selling this idea that, I am selling this idea that, uh, that uh, Ozymandias Adrian Veidt has captivated himself on purpose to this place. I, I think that that's a red herring. I think that that's a red herring. And I think that um, I think there's going to be an ultimate fake out. Maybe he's in some kind of Westworld like place mm-hmm. where you literally cannot find them, but he's so rich and, and brilliant that he can put himself there. So I'm 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 selling this that this idea that he's captivated himself. That's great. I'm buying the phone call. The phone call itself. I thought that that was brilliant and extremely well done. I loved it all the way through, especially since we got this idea of Lady True and we will find out who she is in the next episode. And of course, the fact that uh Dr. Manhattan was actually listening from Mars, something that only Dr. Manhattan would do and then respond in in such a manner. And while Agent Blake said, you never had a sense of humor, this was his show of a sense of humor. Brilliant. Brilliant. I'm selling the idea that, that Adrian would get so upset when one of his plans did not work that he would start crushing. I do not remember Adrian being such an emotional person. Yeah. He is logical through and through, and that intelligence is what made him able to do even the the sinister thing that he did with unleashing whether you believe the comics with the giant monster on major cities or of course using Dr. Manhattan's powers to to uh make explosions which I like better I I like I personally like the explosion scenario better it just seemed more realistic mm. in the world of the watchmen but either way I'm selling that let's discuss some news and gossip After so, thedailybeast.com, one of our favorite sites to get some dirt news, discusses Gene Smart, our favorite new Watchmen edition, who played uh, Agent Lori Blake, Gene Smart's Watchmen debut on Silk Spectre, becoming an action hero, and the Designing Women comeback. Whoa. That's right, we got some Designing Women coming back out, but everyone was talking about Watchmen, critics were raving about it, fans were debating it, trolls were definitely trolling it, and this is how you know something really clicked. Gene Smart, however, was taking her daughter to school. She was not aware and then became super aware of the premiere of HBO's Watchmen series as she is tickled by the massive response to the show. And she discusses in this what is a retelling of an interview of how she felt her her how she came to be part of the show. She was killed by Space, space Junk as being framed by this monologue that she delivers. And it's basically to satiate the fans of Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons' 1987 graphic novel because it, it definitely discusses more of the mythology and canon and the source material. Turns out Lori is speaking through the phone to the booth to Dr. Manhattan, which we all got to see, and she gets to love her life. More so, Jean Smart talks about her... Wagger as Silk Spectre and sporting her auburn hair and the trench coat and the easy confidence of a superhero in spandex. 
We also get a nod to designing women and discussing it, especially the 1986 comic. Uh, I mean, the comedy show that was on television and its resurgence popularity that is on TV. We get a lot of Gene Smart and even more Watchmen, so you might want to go read the DailyBeast.com Gene Smart's Watchmen debut on Silk Spectre, Becoming an Action Hero, and the Designing Women comeback. Read it. Read it now. Mm. Let's get into some predictions, shall we? Your After Buzz TV predictions. Let's start with our predictor of predictors, <laughs> Drew Jones. Oh, all right. Um, I think that Adrian is trying to be Dr. Manhattan or trying to be a ability-wise his equal. Interesting. Interesting, Ryan. Nielsen. I buy that. I buy that. Uh, I predict that this isn't the last time we've heard Rorschach's journal. We had a brief little mention of that from PD. In that slideshow, who put that in? Almost like I put in Damon Lindelof in all these shows. Uh, so I think that, that that's not just a, oh, this isn't the 80s anymore. That's going to come back. I also predict that next week, just judging from what we saw going on with Ozymandias, Adrian Veidt, that we're going we're gonna to get a great idea of what he is trying to do. I think that was some kind of simulation on shooting something into the sky. So maybe he is trying to get to Mars. Uh, so I think we're going to learn what that is next week. I also predict that next week we are going to find out what happened to our wheelchair man when he got taken from the sky above us. And that we'll see Dr. Manhattan. Was that the car we'll that see. was thrown down? No, the car was... A car. A car from Just Asian a regular, regular car? Yes. Okay. It did not seem to be Angela's car that was a caravan, I believe. Oh, I didn't remember what it was. Grand it was caravan, very good. Yeah. yeah, it was a caravan, and this was what seemed to be the agent's car. Just, I, I just really like that... That scene. Uh, I'm going to predict that Seventh Cavalry is not behind Sheriff Crawford's death, as told. Agent Blake specifically says that they usually take credit, and they didn't this one. Actually, uh, the other agent also said that. I also think that the chiefs. I'm still maintaining that the chief is not the bad person. It was his ancestor that he was making up for. I still will. Mm hold on to that. I think that something super sinister is happening in Tulsa and we're going to find out. I think that Lady True is going to be more than meets the eye as we see her. And I think that Angela and Lori are going to butt heads in the best and worst of ways. Possible. But I guess we'll only have to wait till next week to find out. But until then, where can people find you if you want to be found? Ryan Nielsen. You can find me at Ryan Nielsen, N-I-L-S-E-N underscore. That's at Ryan Nielsen underscore on Twitter and Instagram. Drew. You guys can find me on all the things at OK Drew J. That's right. And you can find me at I am Tehran. And of course, hosting hosting and paneling. Yes, that's right. I'm hosting. Okay, you don't know what that is. Hosting. Okay. (laughs) Tomato, tomato. I'm hosting and paneling on a slew of other After Buzz After Shows because all of your favorite TV shows are my favorite TV shows, too. Uh, Steph Sabra, where can people find you if they want to be berated? Wow, what an introduction. At Steph Sabra. Great show, guys. That's right. Hashtag Sabra size. Find us next week as we touch more Watchmen. See you guys then. TikTok, TikTok. Founder Kevin Undergaro and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 